people are not conscious, in any direct sense, of frequencies in sound and light. Yet, without differences in frequency, there could be no speech or music, nor would there be any variations of color. Healy is a certified combination of innovation and technology that uses individually determined frequencies to stimulate specific areas of the body. Through regular use of the selected frequency, the Healy can support restoring your cell membrane tension to a natural level. Each frequency application is clearly displayed in the Healy app. Just select the yeah. one that you want and feel it. The Healy yeah. is not intended to cure, treat, or prevent disease, but rather to support energetic balance and enhance recovery, vitality, yeah. and well-being. Hello and welcome, Cosmic Explorers. Cosmic Explorers, I got tongue tied there. The tongue -tied. To, <laughs> to another edition of Cosmic Insight. I am your co host, Hellas Pew, along with Rebecca Gregory here. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for this next beautiful uh, Cosmic Insight show where we are bringing back our fabulous guests. Would you like to announce, Hillis, our fabulous guest that's joining us today? Sure, our dear friend, all the way from the North Pole itself. Can you believe it? All the way from the North Pole. It is Santa Claus himself, our dear friend. Welcome, Santa Claus. How are you today? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say. That's all they allow me to say. That's all Santa they allow you to say? Home. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, I can also say, Rudolph, what's the matter with you? You had, what, why is your nose so bright? <laughs> I don't understand. But yeah, it's lovely to be here with all of the elves. Yes. And thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for gracing us with your presence again, Neil, and, and allowing us to uh, be one of the many. Uh, vessels for your message to continue to expand out into this universe. So thank you. Well, I'm really, uh, in all seriousness, humbly grateful, honestly, uh, to anyone who would give me an opportunity and a chance to reach some people with what I truly believe is a helpful, beneficial uh, idea, a helpful, beneficial message and um, I'm really willing to let people decide for themselves. I, you know, I'm, I'm ha perfectly happy uh, if someone feels that I'm totally wrong about this. That's that's okay with me. I don't need to be right, uh, but I do need to be heard to so that we can all decide. You know, how how do we feel about that? And I'll tell you something, Ellis. Um, what I'm looking for these days in my life are idea heroes, people who are willing to step into life as a hero or a heroine, courageous enough and brave enough to put forth, to step into, and to even share with others ideas that they know ahead of time, many, many, many people will disagree with. So I hope we have a chance to define and talk about, have I talked about idea heroes before? We have, and it was one of my favorite things to 
talk about with you yeah. and to really have someone to define and to really connect to people so they can really step into what it means to be an, an idea hero. But please uh, express it uh, for us now what the idea hero is. Well, well, if I could, before, before I do that, Hillis, with your permission, let me tell you why it's on my mind today. Because I woke up this morning with a very interesting thought in my mind. Actually, it was a title. I, I woke up with a title and I thought, gosh, no, I hadn't intended to write any more books. Uh, it, it wasn't in my idea to create any more programs of any kind. And I feel I've done my, my work in that regard. But this, this title, these words simply would not leave my mind and so I finally turned to my beloved and my wonderful spouse as I entered the kitchen and I said, I, I can't get this idea off my mind. She said, what is it? And I said, I, I've got these words that are just floating around in my head. So she said, okay, what, what are the words? You know, stop teasing me. Tell me what they are. <laughs> I said, okay, well, what, what I was hearing and what I was seeing in my head are the following three words. Truly understanding God. Mm-hmm. And what I am feeling behind that is that this is what we are now being invited to do by life itself, by the universe itself, and what we need to be doing on this planet if we want to see any kind of improvement or change in the way life is being experienced and expressed on the earth. We need to be truly understanding God. And I, and I thought to myself, gosh, you know, I've been trying, I, Neil, have been trying to truly understand God since I was nine years old. Really, since I was a very small boy, it was part of my whole inner experience. I kept on hearing about God from people, you know, in the world. My, my parents, of course, said a few things. They weren't, you know, overtly religious. They were not people who were constantly bringing God up, you know, at the dinner table or around the house. But But they were, you know. Catholics. My dad went to church every single Sunday. My mom wasn't healthy enough to go with with, with us, but uh, my dad took us every Sunday, and we were enrolled in a Catholic school and went through that whole upbringing in the religious environment. And uh, so I was told a lot about God uh, when I was a child, uh, and it caused me, by the time I was nine, to start really wanting to understand more deeply more fully, more completely, more more truthfully, you know, more accurately, to understand this thing that everyone was talking about called God, and that I was being told a lot about in school. And let me share with you, I, I may have shared this on a previous program, but I'm gonna repeat myself uh, for the purpose of what I wanna talk about today. I remember when I was nine years old that the priest came into our classroom every week the, the parish priest would come in and, and do what's called catechism which was the a lesson of the week um, about the doctrine and the dogma of the catholic church and you know he would make a big deal about it but he hung around for about maybe 25 minutes or so and shared with us one of the principles of the catholic church on this particular wednesday morning he came in and he, he said um, I, I hope you do understand children that um, going to Mass every every Sunday and every holy day of obligation um, 
is something that you really need and must do. And if you miss Mass on Sunday or on a holy day of obligation, um, and if you should somehow die before you confess your sins, maybe you're hit by a bus and tragically die in some kind of accident, you will go straight to hell because missing Mass on Sunday is a mortal sin. And we were told in, in school all about mortal sins and venial sins, which are spiritual misdemeanors, uh, and, you know, and what would send you to hell. Now, try to understand, guys, that I'm nine years old, and I'm taking in this information pretty seriously. I'm thinking, okay, um, God is so concerned about my going to Mass on Sunday that if I miss Mass, without having a good excuse. Of course, the priest made it clear. If you're caring for a sick parent, or if you're an adult and you have to work, or you have some other morally justifiable reason, fair enough. But if you just decide to go play golf, or just, just or sleep in, or just not, not go to, to Mass on a particular Sunday, should you die before you confess that apparently unforgivable sin, God will send you to hell. And I'm nine years old and I'm taking this in. Now, i got to confess to you guys what I wound up confessing to the priest. Man, don't you think that had me racing to the confessional? Because as it happened, by non-coincidence, on that Sunday, two days before, three or four days before that Wednesday lesson, I actually missed Mass intentionally. I, I went to the playground. <laughs> and baseball with the kids at the play. He had a Sunday morning, the big game of the week, and I wanted to play. And so mm -hmm. I went to I went to play baseball. Mm -hmm. Now on Wednesday, he comes in and tells me if, 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 that if I die without confessing that sin, I'm going straight to hell. Not, not purgatory, <laughs> not a temporary, right straight to hell, which of course we were told was everlasting damnation and unbelievably indescribable suffering until the end of time, you know, forever and ever and ever. So, of course, I'm naturally, I'm racing down to the confessional in church, you know, and, and I'm stepping in because they, they had confession three days a week, usually on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And I forgot what other day of the week, but in any event, I step into the confessional after school. And I'm saying my confession to the priest, hoping that I'm going to be okay. And, and don't you think I was walking carefully from the school to the church to make sure that nothing happened to me because I didn't want to, you know, this kind of fear mm -hmm. that, that, that certain religions put into our hearts. It's what made me, every night, I'd be saying my prayer. And my, 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 my prayer was, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, as if there was any question that if I died as a child, that God would reject me from being in heaven. So I was like so worried about it, like praying about it at nine years old, praying about this in my in my bed. So now I'm in the confessional. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. My last confession was a week ago. This is my sin. I I didn't go to church on Sunday. I went and played baseball. You know, and now, of course, as a fully-fledged adult, one presumes, even though I don't act that way, but as a fully-fledged adult, I can imagine the priest on the other side of the screen, you know, you can't see each other, 
you can hear each other, but you're not allowed. He's not allowed to see who's in the confessional. But I could imagine this 45 or 50 year old guy, you know, on the other side of the confessional thinking this, this sweet, sweet nine year old boy is so concerned about this sin. So he gives me, you know, absolution. Absolution means that my sin has been forgiven. He's speaking on behalf of God. And he grants me absolution, but I have to, I, there's a penance I have to pay. So the penance that I'm required to say is three Our Fathers, three Hail Marys, and three Glory Bees. I'm, I'm to go out into the church and kneel down and say my penance. This is Roman Catholic theology, and I'm not making fun of it. I'm not ridiculing it. Any Catholic who's listening to me now will understand this is exactly how the Catholic Church functions. Mm -hmm. I don't care whether you're seven or four or nine or 29 or 49 or 59. The doctrine is the same, and they will tell you that. Mm -hmm. So I'm growing up with this understanding of God, and I've been trying to understand God since I was nine years old. I've been trying to figure it out. Why would God, who's the creator of the universe, who's the source of all that is, who empowers everything that ever was, is now, and ever will be, be so concerned about a nine-year-old boy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, one living entity out of trillions of living entities in the universe. And God would be so concerned about whether or not I went to Mass on Sunday that if I missed Mass and didn't confess my sins before I died, I would go straight to Hell. Yeah. And so um, what I realized as I got older, I'm sorry to continue on, but you, mm -hmm. you, you've learned, of course, don't ask Neil. Because <laughs> he's going to give you a three-hour answer. You're a beautiful storyteller. But, but, I, but I, have to, I have to just kind of try to wrap up this part of it by saying that as I got older um, and grew into adulthood, I realized, wait a minute, I don't know what the truth is, but... That can't be it. That, that can't be it. Is it. We're missing some data, something. We're missing something here. Which has, of course, planted in my heart my often asked question. Is it possible, just possible, that there's something we don't fully understand here about yeah. God, about life, and about ourselves, the understanding of which would change everything. Now, what's sad about this, guys, is that the people of Earth believe in God in huge numbers. Eight out of ten people believe that there is such a thing as a higher power. They believe in God. But they believe in a God who's judgmental, condemning, and punishing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that has, what, that has been what's allowed us to act in the same way with each other. We've used God as our model. We are modeling divinity. Mm. We're told that God loves us, but you know, you better do what God wants you to do. Oh, and by the way, if you don't belong to the right religion, you are in deeper trouble than you could ever possibly imagine. Yeah. You could be a, a compassionate person, a caring person, a loving person, a forgiving person, an accepting person, a generous person, it doesn't matter. You joined the wrong religion. 
So you're going to hell. What can I tell you? God says. <laughs> well, Neil, as as you're telling that beautiful story, you know what what was coming to me. You know, talking about the truth of God and who God is. You know, is in questioning that is that the truth of God or is that the truth of man created in the creation of God's name? Well, of course, we know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. But the question is, dare we believe the answer that we assume is true? I mean, obviously, it's the story that human beings created about God. That's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But dare we believe that? I mean, what I'm looking for is to invite religions to find a way to help us create a collective will without generating a collective fear. Yeah. Right. I like that. And you know what I appreciate immensely about this conversation is about a month ago, well, actually a little more than a month ago, I uh, was having various psychedelic experiences with plant medicine. And in that, you know, you have your own relationship with the medicine and have your own relationship to God in that moment in source creator energy. And when you mentioned and you talked about, it's like, do we really know who or what God is? And honestly, I can sit here and say after all of the experiences and all the connections, all the people that I, that I know, no, I don't know. And I say that because, you know, we've all, you know, have these profound enlightening experiences but to really know the energy of God, to know the representation of God, to know the being of God, him or herself or itself, is a whole other experience. And so, Neil, were there any experiences that you've had in your life to, other than you having the conversation with God, which resulted in the books, other than that, were there any other experiences that you've had to where you felt in that moment, whether it was one second or an hour, that you've had, it's like, ah, this is what God is? Yeah, I've had, I've had three experiences like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, my first experience like that was when I saw a sunrise uh, in Hawaii for the first time in that particular way. I, I'd seen some sunrises, but I, went, I mean, wasn't generally up at you know 425 or 515 in the morning. But in, in this particular case, I was. I had just awakened and, saw, and I was in Hawaii and it was a beautiful, beautiful morning, very warm. And so I went outside uh, of my little cabana that I was renting. And I went out into the little patio area they had. And I wasn't wearing anything. There was nobody around. My cabana was facing the woods. So I went out there naked as a jaybird, just on a a lark. I'm not even sure I knew why. I just went out there, just wanted to feel the breeze just for a moment. So I just was standing out there. It it was still fairly dark outside. But as it happened, and I didn't know, I wasn't timing it. I wasn't looking at my watch or anything. But as it happened, I was there just in that moment when the sun came over the ridge, and the, of course the sun is not really moving, it's stationary, but the earth is revolving downward 
we call it the sunrise, but it's really the earth revolving. But in that moment, the earth was just just turning slowly enough, and the sun came over the horizon ever so slowly. I first saw the first ray. I saw the first ray of the sun, and then and then the rounded edge of it, and then a little, a bit, a little bit more of it, until until it became so bright that one couldn't look directly at it. But I was given the opportunity to watch that for the first few moments, and I remember thinking, or feeling is the word I should use, so struck by simply by the simplicity and the beauty and the majesty and the glory and the wonder of what I was looking at. And I, I felt, I felt for some reason filled with God. I felt filled with divinity. There I was standing there in my nakedness, nothing between me and nature, nothing between me and, and God, just, and I remember just looking at that and I started to cry. I just thought, oh, wow, what is this feeling watching this? A few years later, I had my second experience of that, and it was very similar, but it wasn't interestingly enough. The morning sky was the night sky. I remember being on the the the, the beach. I'm not quite sure where I was, but I was in, on some beach somewhere. Anyway, I was lying on the sand, and it was it, we had gone out. A bunch of us had gone out at, uh, for a late night stroll on the beach. And there were a bunch of guys and gals together. There was nothing, you know, unusual about it. We were just, we, we were at a party at a friend's house who lived near the beach. And we walked on, we were walking on the sand. And I decided to just lie down on the sand. I found a little sand dune. And I made a little bed for myself. And I, was, and I looked up at the sky. And for some reason that night, the sky was more clear than I'd ever seen it before. And it was so clear that I could almost begin to make out certain constellations. I mean, easily make them out and certain you know, stars in the sky. And, and I remember again having the same feeling. Oh, my heavens. Literally, oh, my heavens. And I looked at this, and I felt one with that majesty. I just felt one with it. And, and, I, and I remember thinking, here I am. There are as many little dots in that sky, as many little stars and planets, as there are grains of sand on this beach. <laughs> and, and and I am one of those grains of sand. I mean, in, in comparison to what I'm looking at, and I thought, you know, how could I not be in awe and in reverence and in joyfulness? How could I not be in bliss looking at something like this? And um, so I, I've had those those two experiences. And uh, and uh, and I know exactly what that feels like to be filled with that. And the third experience was uh, we're all adults here, so I I can tell this story, but because we're all <laughs> but it was really um, in a moment of romance with my beloved wife, uh, and in and it was very 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 early in our relationship. Um, so it was a, a new experience for me with this particular lady with whom I was and continue to be to this day deeply in love. 
and we were joined together. And somewhere in the midst, in the middle of that encounter, everything stopped for me. Nothing that was occurring for that moment in time seemed to matter or have any meaning because it was supplanted by, overtaken by a larger meaning. I remember just looking in, in her face, looking, just looking her in the eye and thinking, oh my gosh, there's only one of us here. Mm. We're all one. Mm. The, the idea of separation, that there's two of us in the room has just disappeared. Beautiful. We are, not only are we one, but we are feeling the oneness with all that is. Because if this isn't a presence of pure love and the presence of God, then I don't know what is. Mm. Frankly, I'm not interested in anything else. So it was in that moment, in those three moments that I really felt I understood, not just had an idea about it, but really understood, truly understood mm -hmm. God. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, thank you for sharing those stories, Neil. And, and you made a, a beautiful point, you know, because we always search with our eyes to see uh, what God is or what this is or what that is. Uh, and the beauty of it all, it's a feeling. It's experience the feeling inside to bring ourselves like you did when you saw the sunrise or with your wife. You kept on explaining how bringing that feeling of God into you and the, and the, and that's what I think humanity misses out on is we're so searching on the outside that we don't bring the feeling of the God inside of us through the love and the compassion and the oneness of who we truly are to allow ourselves to experience that bliss, that peace, and that joy. Yeah, not, not only uh, is that true for many people, but the idea that so many people hold about who and what God is, mm -hmm. is so other than the experience of it, mm -hmm. at, at, least in, at least in my case. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, when I began to have those experiences, that first experience with the sunrise, I remember thinking in that moment how other than everything I had been ever taught or told about God, that feeling was. Mm -hmm. I, I, just, I really wanted to just run out into the street and start shouting to the world, we've got it all wrong. <laughs> yeah, once once you have that experience, it is like that. I had a not a, a kind of a similar experience where I was doing uh, breath work one time and I just raised myself to the point of that oneness that I just was overcome with this just bliss and peace and joy I have never felt before, but I was able in that moment to be in that space. And I knew in that space, once again, that was God. And that's the feeling of how we should walk every day in our world. Or how we are invited to, not how we should walk. To, Well, should. <laughs> I've, I've been told never should on yourself. That's true. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. You but, know, it, and what I find interesting is that we all have these experiences to give us a peek, 
a glimpse into what we feel God is. You know, in the energy of this divinity, the energy of this presence that is walking with us and inherently is us because through my teachings, through my understandings, through my research, my studies, and, and by connecting with everyone and by reading your books and, and everyone out there, that we, on some level, are also God. And it is in that level, in that energy, in that vein of us really allowing ourselves to be that and to uh, find ways to experience the the depths of God, but what I, I guess what I, I want us to really dive into is to can you explain for us you know the you know based on your experiences or connection how does and I know you talked about it or mentioned it in the beginning is you know how can one truly know God I mean I know you're on your path to discover this yourself but what insight have you received for yourself to open the door for yourself to really say, I know God now? Boy, I wish there was one way um, to do that. One, one answer. I wish there was a one size fits all answer uh, to that question. To me, it feels like the answer to your question is created or experienced arises, the answer arises differently in every moment of our life. Mm -hmm. And so that um, I'm unable to really respond with, a, oh, I'll just give you a couple of sentences here. And that's that's the way to do it. But I, I do know this, um, or at least I this is what I think I know. I, who knows what's what's true or not, but what I think I know is that it, uh, the experience of feeling one with God, of feeling that we know God and that we in fact are imbued with all the qualities of divinity, the feeling of being an individuation of the divine arises as a result of desire. So what I know that the is that the, for me the first step is desire. How that desire, desire to know God, desire to experience um, divinity, desire to experience, dare I say it, my own divinity, in the sense of my being, you know, a wave on the ocean of God. So uh, it comes, it starts for me with desire. Now, how it's going to manifest from moment to moment, how that's going to arise in my minute-to-minute -minute encounter with this physical life. I can't answer that question, but I can say that in my life, when I begin with desire, the way to step into that awareness, that understanding, that experience, that expression, that embracing, that knowing of God, and not only of God's existence, but of God's existence in me, that way of accomplishing and experiencing and achieving that arises spontaneously mm -hmm. as a result of our desire mm -hmm. differently but definitely i want to say that again because that's a little poetic phrase it arises differently but definitely mm -hmm. in every single moment when we desire it mm 
and and then it it just moves through us and and from us with every breath we take and even in everything we say and we wind up thinking and saying and doing things in that moment that only one who is deeply connected with the divine would think, say, or do. Yeah. Now, is that where I am, you know, all the days of my life and all the hours of my days? No, of course not. But am I able to step into that place more now than ever in my life? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that I'm able to do that and to experience that more now than ever before in my life. My only sadness is that it took me until I was 78 years old to be able to make the statement I just made. So old, so soon, so smart, so late. But I've embraced and accepted the gift and allowed myself to step into it fully. And now what I seek to do with the remaining hours, days, weeks, months, or years that I may have left, who knows, could be gone tomorrow. Um, but whatever time I have left, I, I seek to share in whatever way another might feel is of benefit. What I imagine myself to have come to experience and to fully understand. Truly understanding God is a remarkable invitation and that's the invitation that i think we're all being extended to truly understand god and because it would if we all did it not even all of us if majority of us on this planet did it it would change everything on the earth it would not just change our relationship with god it would not just change our theology but it would change every other aspect of the way we interact with each other, politically, economically, socially, spiritually, everything would change. Yeah. And, uh, and for the better, I might add. And we would ultimately and finally create the heaven on earth that we have been promised uh, in the uh, various scriptures and teachings of the world's religions for lo these many years. What we're missing is that key element of truly understanding God. Yeah. Beautiful. It's almost like living your world um, from an expression of love and not an expression of fear. Precisely. And whether we can invite our religions to do that, there are, as I've mentioned on this program before, there are over 4,000 religions on the earth. Yes. 4,300 religions on the face of the earth. And almost all of them base their teachings on fear. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's enormously sad, but it's more than sad. It's worse than just sad. It's disempowering. It causes mm -hmm. us to behave in ways with each other that preclude us from experiencing the paradise on earth that we were intended to experience on this planet. Yes. I know I struggle a lot of times, you know, saying that and living from that space of just not understanding how humanity functions 
in how they treat others and how they, you know, just, I don't know, all the hatred on the way. I mean, that just never made sense to me because it doesn't have to be. We're very primitive, you know, we, we are a primitive, primitive species uh, and we do treat each other in primitive ways. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it, you know, and when you know, we're so innocent as children, I'd like to think at least, I, I, I maintain my innocence. I mean, my real pure innocence until I was about three or four, maybe five years old. It was so innocent. Just, I remember walking through the park, Mitchell Park, and it was, you know, walking. It was a little, and it was a wonderful day. My dad had taken us to the park. I think it was a playground here or whatever. Maybe it was a zoo. I'm not sure, but he took us to Mitchell Park. Uh, and I was, I was eating my cotton candy. He, he had bought us a cotton candy. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if anybody who's watching this even knows what cotton candy is. But as <laughs> children, we actually had a thing called cotton candy. Anyway, I'm eating this cotton candy. And, and a man was coming down the pathway in the park from the other direction, moving toward us. He was a black man. Uh, but I walked up to him, you know, in my five-year-old innocence. Hey, mister, you want some of my cotton candy? He just smiled at me, gave me the biggest grin. But my dad pulled me away, just jerked me away, grabbed my arm and jerked me. He said, don't, don't talk to that. Don't, don't, don't speak to that, to that man. And I said, why, why, what did I do? What's, what's the matter? What's wrong? And he said, that's trash. took me years, years to overcome that message that I was receiving from the highest authority figure in my life. In order to make the message wrong, I'd have to make my father wrong. Which is where we are, by the way, today. Mm -hmm. In order to make the larger messages we're receiving about life wrong, we have to make Father God wrong. We have to make what we've been taught by God wrong. We have to have a whole brand new idea. You know, you know, I wish that I had had the courage. I never did. But I have these visions in my mind of having been able to say to my father before he passed, he left us when he was 83. He was not a bad man. He was a good man in many ways. But boy, did he have weird and rigid ideas and nobody knows where they came from. And I wish I, in my, in my dreams, you know, I had this wish that I had the courage to sit down and say to him before he left us, you know, dad, that was not a good thing to teach me. Why did, where, where, where were you coming from? What was that about? Why would you say that about this person? just wanted to share my cup of candy. But of course, I was way too innocent to think that people judge other people by the color of their skin, or the nature of their beliefs, or their political ideas, or their economic status, or their sexual orientation, or whatever the hell we want to use to separate ourselves from each other. 
mm-hmm. way too young, way too small, way too innocent to imagine that this was the world I was going to be stepping into. Yeah. And when I wound up stepping into that world, as I became older and older and older, and I looked around and I thought, am I on the right planet? Mm-hmm. How, I, how did I get down here? I don't understand. How did I get down here? What am, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't. So I have to tell you guys, I don't understand two thirds of humanity's behavior. I was reading a few years ago, this is old news now, of course, but about five or six or eight years ago, whenever it was, that a baker refused to make a wedding cake for a couple because they happened to be the same sex. And he refused to make them a wedding cake. Instead of honoring that they loved each other enough to say, let's spend our lives together and be devoted and committed to each other and to no one else. Instead of honoring that, they said that was grounds for them refusing to make a wedding cake. Yeah. I remember reading that story going, am I on the right planet? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, isn't the celebration of love that's pure and true and good and committed and honest and real, isn't that okay? Or we have to do it a certain way. Oh, we have to we have to belong to a certain religion. Oh, you're Muslim? Oh, 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 you're a Jew? Oh, 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 oh you're Hindu? Oh, you poor guys. You're going to hell. I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say to you. I know you're a good person, but you're a Hindu, and Hindus go to hell. And you notice a book title in that somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting as as he is I'm hearing this and listening to this. One of the things that strike me, and I'm gonna ask this, and I'm gonna keep asking until I receive the answer. But the question is, is you know, what was it that created this first fear? And whatever this first fear evolved from, evolved from a place where someone else was afraid or another energy or entity was afraid. And so then they invoked fear to the next. And then knowing that 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 invoking that fear can disempower someone else. And so it's it's just this whole cycle. And and it saddens me. I'm sorry? I think the first fear was created out of simple ignorance, out of not knowing. Bad stuff happened. Let's go back to the caveman days. When yes. We were just emerging into our humanity. And, and we're just starting to become human beings that were using their cognitive skills mm-hmm. in the earliest days. And bad stuff was happening. And we, we didn't understand. You know, why, why is bad stuff happening? Why did my brother just drown in the ocean? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Why did my child die in childbirth or whatever bad stuff was happening or bad stuff even happening to me? We didn't understand. So we, we, we looked around and couldn't figure it out. So we figured there must be somebody or something else that's in control of this. There must be something larger than us that somehow has control over things. So we started having this notion that there was this so-called higher power. 
we began beseeching that higher power to stop bad things from happening to us. We prayed to the sun god, we prayed to the fire god, the god of the wind, you know, so forth. We made up, made up deities, and because we figured that, ah, oh, I got it figured out. Bad stuff is happening because I'm doing stuff that this higher power doesn't want me to do. I mean, I think it's it's a form of punishment. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we, we understood punishment, of course, because as primitive beings, you, you have to understand when we were in the pre pre human era, in the caveman era, when we were just like hulks, you know, <gasps> walking around. <laughs> Survival was the fundamental instinct. And if some other hulk, some other guy, came into our cave or even got close to our cave and tried to, and took some of the, you know, fruits off the trees around our cave or in some way or another threatened our survival, we were out there to do whatever we could do to stop him from doing that. And so we, we got real clear that it's about survival. We have to do what it takes to survive. And we have to end. So this guy is the enemy because he's something other than us. But as soon as we began to find something to believe in, whether it was the fire gods or the sun god or whatever it was, we, we could then beseech that higher power to stop these bad things from happening to us. And you know what's interesting about metaphysics? Metaphysics are very interesting. It doesn't matter why you believe something. Belief is powerful. Yeah. Metaphysics simply tells us that everything is energy. I don't care whether you're somebody living in 2021 mm -hmm. or whether you're somebody living in the caveman era. If you believe that a certain thing is true, that belief will be sent into the universe metaphysically and produce predictable and consistent outcomes. And so we wound up with a predictable and consistent outcome called fear. Mm -hmm. False evidence appearing real. Yes. <laughs> so Neil, do you feel into in society right now, where we are in humanity, the shifts and everything that's happening right now, we are being invited or challenged or whatever word you want to use to change that mindset of that survival we started with to to thriving from a different space in a different way. Well, yes, we have been invited for thousands of years. I'd like to say, yes, we're living in a time of enlightenment. But excuse me, several thousand years ago, mm. our spiritual teachers have been saying exactly the same thing. Mm. This is not a new development that's happened no. in the past 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 years. This has been going on for thousands of years. As we have listened to one messenger after another mm -hmm. telling us exactly the same thing over and over again. The problem has not been the lack of the message. The problem has been a lack of willingness on our part to embrace the message, to step into the message, to share the message openly, and to live the message. Yes. And so do you think humanity is getting to the point where we might finally listen to that message? <laughs> I think that we I are, agree with you full-heartedly. Yes. I, I hope that we are. It feels that we are. It, it feels that we are approaching, you know, um, that moment when we have to decide, wait a minute, there's got to be some data missing. There's got to be something we don't understand here. Yeah. And, but, but of course, we're very young as a species. Mm -hmm. and so I do think that we are maturing now to the point 
where we can truly understand God, which is why I'm producing that written material, truly understanding God. That, that now the mind is expanded enough to say, maybe none of those 4,000 religions have got it precisely correct. There's missing data. And I, I also often want to say to people, people talk talk about me, you know, in the media and so forth, new age guy, whatever. And some, people think, exactly, <laughs> and some people think that I'm that I'm actually against religion or that I'm anti-religion. I'm not anti-religion, but my positionality vis-a-vis -vis religion is not that religion has got it wrong, just that they're incomplete. Mm -hmm. there, there's more here than meets the eye. Yeah. So there's great wisdom in the world's great religions, or they wouldn't have lasted as long as they've lasted. Correct. But they're simply incomplete. There's more here than meets the eye. Or as Shakespeare put it beautifully, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Mm. And Neil, I, you know, one of the things that helped me and I know it helped you as well on the path of under understanding, you know, the idea of God and, and being on the path of being this idea hero. One of the things, wouldn't you say, that opened the doors, so to speak, is expressing gratitude, you know, because we are nearing Thanksgiving. We are nearing this time of year where people collectively offer their prayers of thanks for what they have received. And opening the door of gratitude and appreciation, when you say is that the first or the fifth step into really connecting to the divinity, not just within, but also externally? I think that uh, gratitude is the most misunderstood emotion mm -hmm. uh, on, on the planet, in my, in my observation. It certainly was in my life. Yes. Uh, number one, I, historically, in, in, in my past, I was grateful, certainly, for certain things, but I was only grateful for things that I welcomed in my life, that I was happy about, that I felt good about, and that I wanted more of. So I would be grateful for that. Um, it took me a long time. There's a long, a long road on the, on the uh, spiritual journey until I got to the place where I realized, oh, I, I have been missing almost missing the point and certainly missing the power if not missing the point missing the power or to be poetic once again I love I love I love these verbal um, juxtapositions missing the point and the power I'm gonna write a book one day called the point and the power <laughs> missing the point and the power of gratitude mm -hmm. that gratitude is simply an energetic projection. It's an energetic, it's a feeling, but it's an energetic projection that comes from us and is projected out into, into the universe, if you please, into the environment in which we find ourselves. And gratitude is a way of saying, thank you, yes, for everything that is occurring. And it took me a long time on that journey to find out that being grateful for that which I may not have initially welcomed was transformative in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That I could actually think to myself, wow, thank you for that event. 
thank you for that occurrence, even though I didn't welcome it, didn't appreciate it when it was occurring, when it was actually happening. Or even now I'm not appreciating it in this moment. But when I encounter any moment in my life, even in the present time, in present tense, something happening to me right now that I'm not appreciating fully and not really welcoming, I've tried to stop myself and say, what would change about this if I decided that this was for my highest good? Mm-hmm. If I decided that this was a gift from life, what would happen? How would I even receive, much less impact, mm-hmm. this present event if I decided to be grateful for it out of my deeper and richer understanding that it's impossible for anything to happen to me which is not for my highest good, given who and what I really am. Of course, everything depends on how I define my highest good. And when I began to look at gratitude in that new way, I began to redefine in a new way my highest good. Mm -hmm. It turned out that my highest good was not always, in every single case, what seemed to be what's best for me. But it was, I finally decided, you know, wait a minute. Wouldn't it be interesting if true, pure love said, what's best for you is what's best for me? Mm. Wow. Yeah. What, what a new golden rule. I'm going to write a book on that. I'll put it that that's a great, or at least a song title. What's right. best for you is what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And there's three books that we should be expecting from you now, right? Thank you. <laughs> End of the week. And so uh, I, that's my take on gratitude is that when we can find the spiritual, philosophical, and emotional courage to be grateful for all that's occurring, mm. including even the mistakes we've made in our life. You know, I, I often tell the story of the little uh, fourth grader, fifth, the fifth grader, came home crying because he got a bad grade in his multiplication tables on his test because he, he failed the test. And his father was wise enough to say to him, oh, sweetheart, you didn't fail that test. You just found out what the next step is for you to learn your multiplication tables. That's a great success. Mm-hmm. Ask any scientist in a laboratory. The experiment that didn't work out the way he thought it would is not a failure, but his next step moving forward toward the success that he knows is on its way. Mm-hmm. So when I've re-engaged gratitude in my life in that, in that way, it, it's become a powerful, powerful tool of manifestation. Mm-hmm. A manifesting tool to change not only the present moment and how I'm experiencing it in, internally, but uh, the future as well. Give you give you a little story as a little example. I used to get re- I do a lot of traveling for the past 25 years. I mean, since the books became widely read, I've been traveling all over the world. I mean, a lot, not a little, and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. in some cases, uh, 12 weeks tours, 12-week foreign tours across across the ocean. 
So people think, oh, touring is very, touring is very, um, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, actually, no, but it's, it's another whole story. But I would come to a hotel um, front desk and, and show them, you know, I, I should have a reservation. And more often than I'd want to remember, there'd be a, some complication of some kind. I'm sorry, so we don't seem to have, we don't say, what, what, what is your, what is your name? And they would not have my room ready for me. And I used to get really, really livid about that. Hey, I'm a member of the million mile, whatever it is. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a member of Hilton Honors, and you know, yeah. And I would, I would be, you know, upset about it and tell them, you know, how wrong they were and how horrible it was. And a lot of energy around it. If people in the service professions didn't serve me the way I felt I needed to be served, because after all. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, who I am. And, and then one day I realized that that's that's not working. I'm, I'm trying to solve the problem with the same energy that created it. And that's not working. I thought, what about what happens if I'd be grateful? Mm -hmm. So the next time I went into a hotel and they didn't have my reservations the way they should have. And, they had nothing on the books for me. You know, I allowed myself to fall into gratitude internally. I just went, okay, I'm grateful. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to announce and declare, to express and fulfill, to become and to experience, to demonstrate who I really am. Then I said to the guy behind the behind the desk, well, it, it, it's it's all right. I, you know, it, it's okay. Perhaps you can find something something in the hotel. For me, he said, "Well, you know, we're pretty full. We, but we don't. I'm not sure we have any rooms, any double rooms ready at all. Frankly, there's a convention in town this week. I don't know where we can put you." You know, and in the old days, I would have said, "This is incomprehensible and totally unacceptable." Do you realize? But I said to the guy, "Okay, I know you're doing your best. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe I'll find a place at the Motel Six down the street, or..." Whatever I'm sure I'll find it. If it worse comes, worse comes to worse, I'll sleep in my car. You know, I'll be fine. I'll be okay. The guy behind the desk said, "So I got to tell you something. I've been behind this desk for about 17 years, and no one has ever reacted the way you're reacting to the news that I just gave you." He said, "Let me see. There's got to be. Let me see. There were. We do." We do, as it happens, have the executive suite, the presidential suite. It's That's presidential it. Suite. It's $1,200 a night. But how about if we were to put you in that uh, gratis for the next three or four nights? Because wow. I want you to know that, And this is a true story. It's because I want you to know that I've, I've never encountered anyone who responded the way you're responding to the news I was giving you. I said, well, golly. Yeah, I'm going to accept your gift, accept your offer. Thank you very much. And I wound up in the presidential suite for four nights. You know, uh, the point of the story is that when we simply shift our energetic expression in the world, we do so sometimes in, in a particular way that actually alters the energetic expression that's coming back to us, mm -hmm. that can impact the manifestation that's arising right now in our 
the very life. And so that's my answer to the question. Where's the place of gratitude? And so this Thanksgiving, I invite people to allow themselves to sit down and see if they can't step into gratitude for all that's occurred in their life, all that's occurring on the planet right now, all that is that is happening, whether they thought that it was in the past, welcome or unwelcome. And then I invite people at my Thanksgiving table, I've been doing this now for a couple of years, to do something else as well. Rather than go around the table, which many people do, and I did for years, okay, let's just take a minute. Tell us, each of you, what you're most grateful for today. But a couple of years ago, I changed the whole ritual. I said, let's, let's go around the table. I'd like each of you, I invite each of you to tell me what you're going to be most grateful for in the next year. Mm, I love that. Oh, it changed the whole event. They're all, they all went silent. You know, what am I going to be most grateful for in the next year? I hadn't thought about that. I said, mm -hmm, well, let's use this moment to think about it. And then they would think about that for a couple of seconds. And they would one by one go around the table and share with us what they're going to be most grateful for in the next year. Friends, it was a transformative moment at that table. Mm, I love that. Yeah, because it talks to, speaks to the power of manifesting. <laughs> so that's my take on gratitude for what it's worth. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Neil. And speaking of gratitude, do you have anything, any events coming up that you'd like to share with our audience? I, I I don't know I, I don't because I don't know when this program is going to be placed on the air, but on the 20, uh, 20th and twenty first of November I will be doing a, a nine hour, two day, uh, four and a half hours each day weekend, e treat online, on this very topic, on on the topic of gratitude, when we'll look at the topic even more deeply than we did here, and we'll actually have face-to-face -face interaction with people. They can call in from all over the world and ask, uh, and ask about it and explore deeply with me how this particular thought about gratitude can be applied in certain circumstances in their own life. So that's what's coming up, depending on when this program is, is being uh, placed on the internet. Uh, it'll be up before then. Oh, be, this will be on the uh, on the 20th and 21st of November. Thank you, Neil, so much. As always, Santa Claus, <laughs> bringing us plenty of gifts. We, um, should, we should explain to them, our audience, why they're calling me Santa Claus. <laughs> when we come on the program, when, when, when we're getting ready to go on the air, there's a little dialogue box at the bottom that says, give us your name and we can welcome you into the room. I never put Neil down because if they don't know who's on the other end of the line at the appointed hour, then we got a problem. So I, I always put down Santa Claus. Then they can get a little chuckle out of it. But that's why they're calling me Santa Claus for the past mm. hour. <laughs> yes, so much. 
Thank you. Well, Neil, thank you so much for joining us again uh, here on Cosmic Insight. I just, I just am so honored every time you you bless us to come on our show and just have these enlightening um, conversations that are so important right now to open that space of innocence and that open heart and that love to have these conversations to help shift uh, the world because we we can do it if we change our perspective on how we look at things and how we treat others. I so I thank you. you I thank you so much for, for stepping into who you are and uh, having the courage to say what you say and do what you do and be who you are. It's it's such an honor for me, so thank you. You're very kind to say those words to me. Thank you very much. Uh, if anyone is interested in learning more about this, you may find uh, the latest book that I've just finished writing. I mean, not just finished, but within the past year. It's the newest book in uh, the collection, and the book is called The God Solution. You can go to any online bookstore and find the God solution, which I believe is the solution to so yes. many of the world's accumulated problems. So thanks both of you guys for having me on the program today. I appreciate it very much. Oh, Thank you, and The book is fabulous, so I recommend oh, yeah. you uh, get it <laughs> and read the it. God solution. I read it a couple of times. So guys, go out and get the book. And uh, Neil, as always, thank you so much for your presence, your wisdom bringing us so 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 many gifts and until next time everyone keep exploring thank you Mwah. <laughs>